Welcome to The Inner Game. I'm Gwen Garcelon, your host. Thanks for listening. The Inner Game is about how we nurture and attend to our mind, body, spirit, health, and how that allows us to play a bigger game and make a bigger contribution in the area of purpose that calls to us. And these are conversations with people who are committed to making an evolutionary difference with their lives from a place of balance and love and service. The first episode of The Inner Game aired in August of 2016. So it's going on 2023. So going into 2023, it's been like six and a half years now. And I'd really lost track of how long I'd been doing this podcast. And it was really lovely and moving to me to check in with that and realize it's been this many years now. And I love the changing of the year as a marker and reminder to reflect on the past year, the lessons, the ahas, the challenges, and there have been many in all those categories. (laughs) There are always the heart and mind opening moments alongside the dark and despairing moments, and sometimes they're the same moments because life is a big paradox, a big mystery. And just when we feel like we've finally gotten somewhere, the rug gets pulled out again. And I feel like it's just the way we stay open. We stay nimble and porous enough to make the big changes we are being called to make as a human species in these days. If we never got challenged, we would likely never evolve. It's just how we're wired. So this is a chance to look back at some of the inner game conversations from 2022 And it's been such a gift to me to to get to do that. I hope this will inspire you to go back to the archive, either on the kdnk.org website, just search The Inner Game, or on Apple Podcasts, and revisit some of the conversations that moved you or that you may have missed. There are six and a half years of them. (laughs) One of my favorite conversations from 2022 was with Anne White the executive director of the nonprofit Lead with Love. She produced a nine-minute film about Dr. Lisa Miller's work called The Neuroscience of Spirituality, about the brain science of awakening, and you can find it on YouTube. In it, Dr. Miller says this amazing thing. Suffering is an invitation to deepen our spiritual life. It's not an invitation to have another few glasses of wine, not an invitation to spend an hour on YouTube, not an invitation to stay in bed in a puddle of despair. She says suffering is an invitation to deepen our spiritual life. Why does she say this? Because research shows that we are not whole without our innate spiritual capacity. 
And it's our spiritual lives, not religious. Religion is cultural. It's learned and culturally reinforced. Spirituality is physiological. It's an innate part of our humanity. And without it, we're missing an integral piece of our operating system. Our spiritual lives hold the keys to our evolution right now as a species. And I imagine most of you listening have an interest in being of benefit to that evolutionary process, without which we seem to be in a dire moment of stuckness, of not much existential possibility as a species. So how do we do that? How do we deepen our spiritual life? In the film, um, and in our conversation, Anne and I talked about more reflective time in nature. So not necessarily more recreational time, although that's certainly not a bad thing. It's just that the evolutionary impact comes from slowing down and intentionally going into reflection and inquiry and opening ourselves to listen to the silence or the inspiration or the sadness, whatever is there in the stillness. That's the spiritual peace. That's the reflection. Lisa suggests asking the question, what is life showing me? Where are the red lights? Where are the green lights? The open doors? The beckoning forward? Spirituality is about more awareness. So things like journaling, meditation, alone time not plugged in. And I'm a serial podcast listener, but I intentionally leave my phone at home or off often, which frustrates my kids, but is absolutely necessary to deepen my spiritual life. So those are some, those are some ideas for how we deepen that increasingly important part of our life. Okay, another favorite conversation was with well-known and well-loved educator, local educator, Sonia Lindman. We talked about the need to change the goals of education. So we've been climbing a ladder really efficiently and getting really good at measuring a set of inputs in our students. But Sonia had me realizing that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. We are failing our students by not acknowledging the world we are trying to prepare them for, a world vastly different than our educational system is acknowledging. You know, and I'm certainly this, you know, there are the schools and the teachers and the administrators that are onto this and already doing things to move this forward, but in in broad strokes We've got, um, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. We're failing our students by not acknowledging the world we're trying to prepare them for, a world vastly different than our edu- educational system is acknowledging, a world where students will need to know and be skilled in one critical skill set, that of collaboration, connection, belonging, community. Without some mastery of this skill set, mastery of facts and figures and information will really leave them ill-prepared 
to meet the complex challenges of a lot of what's collapsing in our world. So um, that was that was just a, a phenomenal conversation for me to go back and revisit. And she talked a bit when we got to talk about restorative practice. Many of you may be um, uh, familiar with something called restorative justice. We see more of this happening in, um, in lots of different situations, not just in schools. Um, but it's such an important part of, of what's happening in schools right now. Restorative circles restore wholeness to individuals, but perhaps even more importantly to communities. And Sonia shares the importance of seeing schools as communities rather than institutions. And when a student threatens this community, the worst thing is to expel them. That's where it gets dangerous. We need to do the more thoughtful and patient and compassionate work of restoring the wholeness of the community with the student who has created the hurt as a necessary part of that circle. So that's, that's a beautiful one to go back and listen to. So the, so the goal of education then becomes not to measure just the information intake, but to create skilled community builders. And I also highly recommend listening to the conversations with Ilan Pevic and Diana Alcantara about the power and need to build more value and use of school gardens into our schools. You'll hear in those conversations um, the amount of connection to the earth that is fostered by getting students outside into the gardens and the humility that's experienced in that connection with the earth and the the building of natural collaborative skills. I, I was listening to Diana talking about how the identity with cliques and and groups goes away and students are drawn to each other and work together in more natural ways outside in the garden. And, and they also both talked about the calming effect of being in the garden on nervous systems, which we know increases learning and creativity and lessens anxiety and depression. These are things that are becoming a really big deal. And if we can be of benefit to these things and to be of benefit to our students through the greater use of school gardens and get all those things as well as more sources of locally grown food and how empowered students feel um, when they're growing food and it makes communities more resilient. I mean, the cascading benefits are, are too many to ignore anymore. You know, this is just something we all need to be aware of and advocate for in our communities. So, loved those conversations. They're just, it's just amazing when I'm going back and listening to these, how much there is in each one of them. And sometimes it, it takes a few listens before some of these things really, or, you know, it takes some integration in me some time since I've listened to them once and then going back. And it's amazing, you know, what pops through and is clear finally and I get in a deeper way. 
So I really um, encourage that. So for those just joining, this is Gwen Garcelon, and you're listening to The Inner Game on KDNK. I'm looking back at some of the insights and messages from the shows in 2022 and reflecting on how they've served me and how I'm bringing their gifts into the new year. Because here we are in 2023, and this is typically a time of year when we have great hope and do a lot of inspiring visioning. And the last few years have been really challenging, mostly, I think, because they're challenging our deeply held beliefs about the way things are and what it means to succeed, in air quotes. And probably most confronting, what is possible given all that is collapsing around us. 2023 is about patience and steadiness, staying the course with what you know works, showing up day by day to bring the grace that comes with steady self-effort and faith in love. And this, um, you know, talking about love, um, it came up in a conversation with Lori Herrick um, last year. She's the author of Choose Abundance, and it's an amazing book. Um, talks about the prevalence of scarcity thinking in nonprofit fundraising and really in so many places in the world. It's, um, it's something that she's very skilled at confronting and helping people to um, really rewire in themselves. And in the book, she talks about the roots of the word philanthropy and how the Greek roots of that word really are translated into love of humankind. And I just thought that was beautiful, you know, to to think of, of philanthropy as an expression of love of humankind. And in the in the conversation that we had, I had this aha moment about brain science. And um, I've gone back and listened to it a couple of times, and it's really been helpful to realize that scarcity thinking is part of how our primitive brain is wired. You know, our, our limbic system and, the, and our brain stem and amygdala are all part of how, you know, we were supported to survive. So that survival consciousness is a big part of, you know, that more primitive part of our brain. But abundance thinking is, is more about the, um, is what happens in our prefrontal cortex, so that that newer, that more uh, recently evolved part of our brain that is about reasoning and impulse control and creativity and um, and just you know a lot newer kinds of thought models. And it was it was interesting to me that you know just that practice of choosing abundance is an evolution has an evolutionary force and that um 
That was really lovely. So for those of you who are fundraisers and and really, you know, anyone who's taking on where scarcity um, operates in their lives, and if you'd like to be moving into more of an experience of abundance in your life and for the world and for the planet, that knowing that that practice alone is exerting an evolutionary force in the world. It kind of uh, gives it, you know, more more meaning and more joy. So let's see. Um, what else did I want to say about Lori? Um, oh, there's... Um, so actually, one of the other conversations that um, that I listened to was with um, Finley Hind about a, um, a community of practice called New Republic of the Heart that I've been participating with for over a year now. And it brought to mind, you know, just what he was saying about a, you know, having being committed to a community where you're taking on things like the choice of abundance rather than scarcity, the choice of love rather than fear, and really how that looks in practice in life, in our professional lives, in our family lives, in our civic lives, because that's where really where the rubber meets the road. And and it made me think of the Marilyn Ferguson quote um, that I used to have on my website that something about in these times um, we can no longer choose between a life of reflection or a life of action. We must do them concurrently. And, and that's what Finley and I were talking about. It's that a community of practice that, um, that allows us to practice what these spiritual concepts look like in practice in our lives, and then getting the support and building the confidence to bring them into action in our lives. That's the value of surrounding yourself with people who you have an agreement with to do that kind of work, to, to have reflection as a practice in your life, whether it's meditation or many other kinds of reflective practice and contemplative practice. But to not stop there, to really look at where are the communities that you may be, um, that have influence over in your life, and where can you bring these practices into courageous action, not just incremental little actions, but, you know, this is a time where we're drawing on all our courage and our experience and maturity to finally see expressions, deeper expressions of love in action in the many communities that we're a part of in our lives. This is also showing up for me as a huge theme for 2023 is 
the love in action piece. And it's not like that's anything new. It's something we've been talking about for a long time. You know, you've probably heard it talked about in your yoga classes and maybe lots of other places in your life. But now is the time to find the courage, to find the support that it will take to bring it into action in new ways in the structures and communities that we're a part of. So some journal prompts that might be helpful should you be inspired to do some reflective work is who have you become? And this could be over the course of your whole life, (laughs) in the last year, in the last month. Who have you become and why? Because this draws on your inner game. It requires going in and going in deeply and thinking about what's changed for you. How are you expressing your most deeply held values? Where, are, where is it hard to express your deeply held values and why? And do a little grappling with that. This year is about not being in a rush, and that can seem paradoxical, paradoxical because it feels like we're, we're late to the game in so many different ways. But the, but the trick is now to lay foundation, to be about the work of building on existing strengths, the strengths in relationships and communities, and to keep building on those things that are working in the direction of our vision for the future our vision of the more beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, as Charles Eisenstein says. It's about really building, really building new structures, new kinds of institutions, um, reflecting on the existing institutions that we operate within, and looking for where there can be a greater, maybe fiercer, expression of love. I would love to just invite anyone to call in if you're so moved um, and express something either that you have has been meaningful to you um, that you've heard on the inner game or that you love about the podcast. Um, The number is 970-963- 2976 and um, happy to chat with you for a moment. As the new year is um, upon us, I'm, um, I'm just want to ex- express how grateful I am for the opportunity to do this podcast, to um, come in on a monthly basis to Katie and Kay and share this kind of deep conversation. I think it's, um, well, I know it's been, it's been a huge gift to my own life to get to learn from the people that I have conversations with and to learn from many of you in the follow-up conversations that happen. Um, 
I'm I'm just uh, I'm just looking forward to 2023 and the new people who will uh, be available to all of you out there. So thank you, thank you for listening, thank you for doing the inner work that you each do, each in your own way, and know that it's a great, great benefit that you share with the people around you, with your own evolution, with our evolution as a human species in this moment. Everything that you do, because we are, because we know now that we are not separate, that we exist within a unified field where there are no boundaries. So each piece of healing that each of us does is of benefit to the whole. It reaches far beyond what we can touch material, materially in our lives. And I think choosing to act in that knowing is something that can help us to feel empowered in times where it can seem like, given our, you know, the material world that we've been enculturated into of separation, we can forget that we have a much bigger influence and the ripples that we create are infinite. So choosing to remember that, choosing to act from that place of that we exist within a universe that's friendly, that's loving, that's infinite, and everything that we do touches everything else. So every positive thought, every positive feeling seeds the unified field with that vibration. So take that into the new year powerfully, courageously, joyfully, and experiment and do your practice and know that none of that positive energy will ever be wasted. So I thank you so much. And I know that we will be we will be joining on the airwaves throughout the next year. And um, looking forward to all that that holds. So let's see if I can get this right. This Here we go. There's Peter Mayer. Lots of love to you all. 